0: Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we have a prompt from a regular listener, and oh, we've got prog rock and kites and all sorts of interesting stuff on the horizon. But before we get into that, I would like to remind everyone that if you want us to build your world, You can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow some instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter at Let's World Build. Or more importantly, you can follow us and subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can listen to this podcast separately. And we've also got all sorts of fun little stuff over there. I mean, not really. It's basically a podcast in a video format, but still... Uh, if you want to come and chat with us more directly, you can come and chat with us on our Discord with a link for that in the description. Or if you're feeling particularly generous or just want patron-only goodies, you can go to our Patreon, give us money, and reap the benefits. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's dive right into today's episode, which comes from, a, which I would say, medium-time listener. I, I don't know if it's a long-time <laughs> listener, but it, regardless, it does come from Iris, who you might have heard from before. And their prompt is, First Metals, a Bronze Age society built on a prog rock landscape. The Tenets, a group of societies settled around floating islands in a bright green coast, barely a cloud in the sky with the temperancy of the Mediterranean. Number two, the wheel has not been invented as trade is much easier to perform via kites and boats. The boats being for the aesthetics who live under the shadows of the islands. However, writing and metallurgy are in their early stages. Number three, a star that rises in the evening and sets in the morning lies to the east. It carries ominous stories of prophecy and tragedy to come far into the future. And I'm very excited about this. Normally, I will kick this off to one of my co hosts. However, I'm going to steal the spotlight because I heard prog rock landscape, but there's not enough prog rock in there for my liking. Thus, I have decided to mold my tenets after my favorite prog rock album, which is In the Court of the Crimson King by King Crimson. So to kick us off, the island's floating in the sky, are ruled by the Black Queen and served by a group of loyal fire witches, while the oceans below are ruled by the Crimson King and his lover, the Purple Piper. However, both sides are being manipulated by a mysterious figure known only as the Jester in yellow. And that's my first tenet. That's what I got. And that is quite the tenet. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, listen, that's just one song off of the album, okay? Mm-hmm. There's so much rich metaphor in that thing, but that's what I'm going with. I could have went with like Pink Floyd or yes, but I don't know. In the Court of the Crimson King is my favorite prog rock album. So I'm like, prog rock, sign me up.
1: So can we let me get a list here of the things in this tenet? That way I can visualize them. Sure. Um, there's a king. And he lives where? Underneath the islands. So he's in the bottom. And then there's a black queen on the top. Yes. And she's got with fire wishes.
0: Yes. Got and it. Both sides are being manipulated by the jester in yellow. I also like the Crimson King song. That's a nice song. It's a great song. Yeah. Oh. Uh, admittedly. Okay. Here's the thing. The first tenet is absolutely a lot. It is a lot because there's a lot of really interesting characters uh, and interesting imagery within that song so the second one is a little bit easier i will preface that up front and also there is also the purple piper who is the lover of the crimson king just so we're tossing that out there too but yes okay and yeah by the way you can abstract this all to hell if you want to i'm totally fine with this like i i know that this tenets a lot so obviously have at it you know what i mean
2: and um also before we continue on can we define prog rock for our listeners who might not know much about prog Yeah, that'd be nice.
0: Sure. So prog rock stands for progressive rock. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a nebulous term, but it was basically in the 60s and 70s, bands that were pushing what rock and roll could actually sound like and be. So you have bands like Pink Floyd, which obviously added like synth and, and like other stuff into their sound. You have bands like Yes, who are just like, almost like jam bandish and some of their stuff, but you also have stuff like rush. You have stuff like early Genesis, uh, obviously King Crimson as well, uh, who you might know from the 21st century schizoid man cover that Kanye West stole uh, or not, or sampled, not stole obviously. Uh, but yeah, th- th- that's like kind of a good smattering of what we're looking at when we're talking about prog rock is, is it kind of weird and does it kind of push the envelope of traditional rock and roll? That's probably what prog rock is going to be in a very overly simplified way. Is there um, an experimental quality to it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It not, not to the point of like, you know, (laughs) Captain Beefheart, for example, I feel like that's probably a little bit like a step past prog rock and stuff like that, but there's absolutely an experimental quality to it. Yes, Daniel. Okay.
2: Yeah. I, I looked up a bunch about it and was like struggling to, to get a true like definition of what exactly constitutes it. Cause it does seem like a very large genre that sort of yeah. branches out into a lot of other ones.
0: You're you're absolutely right because it's a really nebulous term. Like that was just yeah. kind of like, is it kind of weird? And from this era, it's, yeah. rock rock, you know what right. I mean? Like, right. Because because like the way that like subgenres kind of break down, it's like granularity to an extreme. And sometimes one band can fit into multiple subgenres and stuff like that. So look, it's all it does is fulfill the human need to categorize things in our little brains. And that's Mm -hmm. basically what's going on here, you know. So please, Courtney, why don't you kick us off with your first tenet? What do you got for us?
2: All right. Mine is that at fairly regular intervals, a new floating island will rise up from the seas. And this causes a brief period of danger on the surface of the ocean due to the waves and such caused by Mm -hmm. that uh, rising up.
0: I really love that idea. I think that's (laughs) a really cool concept that occasionally there's just going to be a new island to, to join the archipelago kind of like how, you know, like with, with regular islands, like the magma continuously uprising does that as well, but I like how it's, you know, a more supernatural and more interesting way to do it this way. That's cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I wanted like something to sort of disrupt occasionally and like just add a bit more weirdness to the setting. I mean, it's already mm. strange certainly, but the fact that like every, I don't know if it would be every century or every decade or whatever, um, but just a new island mm. sort floats of up.
1: It also potentially suggests a sense of attraction
0: that the um, mm-hmm. islands are being called up either by yeah. some force Ooh. or expelled. You
2: know? Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Or maybe some kind of inherent magnetism or something like that, like a magical magnetism grant you, but still like that could be kind of interesting to work with. Also, what I think is really interesting about that as well is this idea that each island could trigger a potential gold rush each time, whether it be yeah. for, Oh, new land to scramble for or new resources to mine or what have you. Like that's, that's a really cool way to add in something uh, new and exciting to your world that happens frequently. That's really dope.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it could be cool to see how stuff expands in this world mm-hmm. and also how like the people under the islands who, i think you established was uh the crimson king Mm -hmm. they deal with the the danger and then also this kind of new area to inhabit to
0: underneath Mm. i i have this like picture in my head of like these boats that are swimming by a newly rising ocean they're trying to like hold it down like a harpooned whale or something like that i don't know why i have that image in my head interesting yeah like they're, they're, maybe they're like trying to like claim it as their own or like hold it down in some way. And obviously it's probably not going to work, but yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's kind of where my brain went though.
2: Yeah. Maybe it's like a way of harvesting resources that are otherwise going to get really difficult to, uh, oh, yeah. to get to once it's fully up in the air.
0: Yeah. Like they're, they're basically just calling dibs, right? Like we get, yeah. we get first grab at it. Fuckers get out of here is yours forever, but we get it for the first couple of moments of life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh that's cool. Oh, that's that's so rich for all sorts of interesting stuff too. But let's let's move on for the time being. We can definitely integrate that more as we get more tenants. Mm-hmm. So, Daniel, what do you got for us with your first tenant, sir?
1: Um, since we're talking about the islands, I had the idea that the islands are buoyed um to the earth
0: by these giant chains made of a mysterious alien metal. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so so it's not like they're they're floating or drifting. It's like they are they are stuck in place.
1: Yeah. So they can, you know, they can move a little bit, but they're attached to these chains mm-hmm. that are in the earth.
0: Interesting. OK, so how does that interact with Courtney's then? Do they come out of the water, like attached to chains or is the attaching of the chain something that has to happen? Um, like, is that is that a man-made thing, basically? Is that an artificial thing or is it something that just happens? I think to protect the mystery of it, um, they probably come out of the ocean with chains attached. Interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting and quite strange as well. That's cool.
2: Very, yeah, yeah.
0: They're anchored. Yeah, they're they're yeah, yeah. That's so interesting uh, because it's like to me, it almost sounds like the people or, or the the entities or aliens that are, have chained these things down it's like they're trying to use them as astral kites in some way, you know, like if kites are going to play a big role in this society, Mm. I can't help, but feel like these are actually like meteors that they're trying to pull out of orbit or something like that. But that's, Mm. that's not on the list. That's not a tenant for mine. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Although it, it, that's, that is really interesting. I love that. Uh, So I suppose because we're in the early stages of metallurgy, I imagine that none of them have tried to or have been successful in removing or melting down any of the alien metal. Daniel, is that correct?
2: Yeah, I was gonna yeah. ask, like if if you had any properties in mind for this metal too. Ooh,
0: good call. Yeah, um, I think just by virtue
1: of it holding in place and floating, island, it's probably very powerful, like metal that has tensile yeah. strength that's beyond like uh, even the construction that we're capable of now. You know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of like space elevator theories of that require like a special kind of tensile metal that doesn't exist um, or that we can't really construct. So I imagine Mm. that's what it's made of, but I can't, I wouldn't think that the society here being pre metal would know how to do anything with it.
0: Right, 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 (laughs) right. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Do you have an aesthetic for them? Cause I'm just picturing them as like big, regular chains that are like tinted green, but yeah. If you're thinking of them, like, okay, okay. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah. That, that's totally. Totally have
1: any whatever you guys want.
0: <laughs> well, I, I was thinking like, are they cables or are they like links in a chain? I was thinking know? like
1: links, you know, like okay. really cool, giant yeah. ass links.
0: I'm cool with that. I like that idea as well because now you have an obvious place to have a battle, you know, or a, a set mm-hmm. piece fight is up and down the links of the chain, you know.
2: Yeah, and like depending on how massive the chains are, like I could see people settling on them because the prompt says uh Yeah the boats are where the ascetics live under the shadows of the islands, but I do Mm -hmm. wonder if they like venture up a bit and settle on there too, or if that's like a separate faction that's on the chains.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I didn't picture them as being that big, but that's a really cool conceit if that's the case. Mm-hmm. It almost gives me like Wuxia Tower vibes if we do it that way, you know? Yeah, I think they should be enormous because who knows how big these islands are. Yeah. 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 yeah, you got like Texas floating up there. That's a pretty big ass island, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, well, I guess we'll skip on over to my second tenet, which is mercifully shorter. Um, <laughs> and it's very simply, the inhabitants of the settlements all believe in talking to the wind for favor or to curse their enemies. However, they understand that the wind is capricious and often does not or cannot hear them.
1: So there's kind of um either spiritual or alien presence of this entity that is the wind that does stuff, I guess, mm. when they're traveling and may betray them.
0: Well, I I wanted to leave the door open for magic, religion, or technology, because I didn't know which way you guys were going to take it overall. Yeah. And like, it could be literally just a superstition. It could be literally nothing. It could just be the wind. But because kites and sails are a mainstay of their technology, I thought that it had to be really appropriate to have the wind as some kind of entity that is paid reverence in this setting. And I can imagine,
1: too, if the islands are tethered and they're moving a little bit, wind patterns would be important. Mm -hmm. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Trade as well, because they mentioned kites. And oh, uh, this is not actually a tenant, but I'm assuming that uh, when they say that uh, the wheel hasn't been invented, I imagine that that's not like hasn't been invented, just like not utilized very much at all, because to not have a wheel implies that you're like, don't have some things to like rotate or steer like ships and stuff like that. So I'm just under the assumption that the wheel exists, but it is incredibly rare and rarely used outside of like other technology. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. I wasn't sure how to interpret that either. Cause I was thinking of like, uh what are those things that they use to process grain? You know what I'm talking about? Millstone. Yeah. The millstones like those are effectively wheels too. Right.
1: My assumption is um, just kind of glancing at like pre wheel uh, period um, is that it's, it must not be why leaves for travel, right? Like it's not a component of vehicles because that's what, that's what the invention of the wheel really is about. Right.
0: Right. That's, that was my assumption as well. Is that like, I think what the the spirit of the tenant is, we don't want there to be wheeled travel very often. And we want instead to rely on, the wind and sails and uh kite like things instead, which I'm, I'm more than happy to do. Like, I think that's a really cool thing, but I think like not having wheels is a very diff. It's a very, very difficult tenant to strictly adhere to if we want to go that far. So I, I just wanted to toss that out there now so we can kind of talk around it a little bit. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. I think we could kind of go either way with it. Like give hmm. us that really, really strict restriction or just treat it as, travel based.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, maybe one of your second tenants will help us elucidate that process. So Courtney, speaking of what is your second tenant? What do you got for us?
2: Uh, yeah. Mine has nothing to do with wheels. <laughs> <laughs> um, my second one is that in the spirit of Prague Rock, the star that carries ominous prophecies does so through song, either literally singing into the night sky or mm. inspiring people to sing the prophecies like oracles.
0: Or sea shanties, or or sea shanties. <laughs> That's really cool. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. Do you think that that blends well with the idea of the wind in some way? Is the wind the thing that carries prophecy, or?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it ties in well with yours. Whether the wind is carrying this thing, or if it's like the people see the wind as another avenue of communication, or. Mm.
0: Yeah. Hence talking to the wind or singing yeah. to the wind. Yeah. That, that totally makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You can also see some sort of mechanism put in place to transmit things through the wind, transmit song that way.
0: Hmm. I'm sorry. Could you say that again? Yeah. Say more about that, Daniel.
1: Um, Like if, if song and wind have some kind of relationship um, and there's not really wheel travel, I wonder if there's another way for them to send messages and send prophecy and news maybe through these songs through the wind and I could see some alternative you know pre-wheel age society mm-hmm. having constructed something to that effect.
0: Ooh. ooh 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 okay okay okay. What about um like whistles or something like that as like a way to kind of Signal things, you know, like it's a it's a siren, effectively, or a way to openly communicate. But all you really have to do is like open some slats and then have the wind whistle through it. And depending on how you play it, you know, it it could also be kind of like a windmill in some way. Mm -hmm. Also, yeah, yeah, we need windmills in this fucking situation. So yeah, you
1: could have these floating, maybe these floating like kite like things that, like you say, like whistle when wind goes through it, and that's how I send messages or something.
0: That's yeah, cool. that's, that's yeah. what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, okay, that's really, yeah, I'm down with this. This is dope. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. That's very cool. All right. So, Daniel, what is your second tenet? How, what, are we, what are we working with here?
1: Um, there's talk of the star in this prompt. Mm-hmm. And so mine is the star is not a natural phenomenon, nor is it an actual star. and it can be reached by foot, sea, or air.
0: Okay, say that one more time. So we can get to the star.
1: Yes. So it's not a natural Mm -hmm. phenomenon and it's not a star and it can be reached by foot, sea, or
0: air. Okay. So kind of like Mount Olympus, you know, where it has this sense of divinity, but it's simply like a place you can go to. Or also like the underworld, like as a mythological place that you can actually get to and explore.
1: Yeah. So they said that it rises in, in the evening, right? Yeah. Almost like a moon. So it's like I'm picturing it, may seem like that, but it's actually a physical thing that you can get to.
0: Right. Okay, that's cool. That's really yeah. cool.
2: I'm picturing it now as like a another island like way off in the distance that because Ooh. of the rotation of the earth or some sort of magical pole or magnetic pole, it's it's only um visible at night.
1: Mm. Oh, I like that. And that maybe and it's the way that it's chained too makes it rise and fall in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay, so it's it looks like a star, right? Which means that it probably looks that it is a glow in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I've got an entire faction of fire witches over here. Can we just say that this is like, that's where the fire witches come from and it's still super, super mysterious. So it's basically a second continent and the fire witches are effectively star fire witches. Yeah. That could be derived from
1: that. I could see them having a kind of, um, you know, in game of Thrones, the red, Witch, whatever she's called. Um, yeah. The yeah, yeah. Like maybe they have that mystery to them.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. that that's kind of what I had in mind as well, is this idea that their culture is so different and so foreign that they're going to come across as like semi-alien or so, just like strange in a lot of ways, especially because mm-hmm. I want them to not say anything about mm-hmm. the star, right? Like that is where they're from. They will say nothing about it ever, you know, like that mm-hmm. kind of level of secrecy. I mean, you could say, since prophecy is important from this in
1: the star itself, perhaps- um they claim to come from the future like they come from mm. what is to be foreseen i mean that, maybe that's not literal but because they they would be bearers of prophecy they can't speak of the future because it would alter things so they say that the star is where the future is right interesting right
2: that could also be um with my tenet that the star uh sings the prophecies or inspires people to sing them like maybe the fire witches mm. are it's a
1: yeah. singer people Maybe mm-hmm. they communicate prophecy through song.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, man. I, I'm picturing that scene in Fifth Element now with the opera singer. Mm-hmm. You know, like deeply, like gorgeous and haunting and beautiful and all that stuff. I think that's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, So so I suppose we should talk about what questions do we need answered before we continue on with this particular setting?
1: And maybe worth taking an accounting of things. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have islands supported by chains we have wind that's rather important and has the cultural significance we have song as a way of prophecy mm-hmm. the sun is a physical place that rises mm-hmm. some sort of a continent where the fire witches come from there's a black queen on the islands there's a crimson king under below um and then the lover which i forgot um and mm-hmm. I'm missing some tenants
2: uh, the islands coming out of the sea.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, islands rise right out of the sea periodically. Right. That's where yeah. they come from.
0: There's also the jester in yellow who manipulates everyone. So that that's also a thing that's in there too. Mm-hmm.
2: Where was the jester at?
0: Was in at? in my first tenant.
2: Oh, I meant like because I know that the purple uh, piper was with the crimson king. Is yes. the jester like in a particular place or?
0: No, I, I like to keep him as like a mysterious kind of like otherworldly figure, if anything, kind of like Haster's the king in yellow or mm-hmm. or just like a, just a folklore figure that could actually be like an Illuminati type situation. But they call it the the jester in yellow, that kind of thing.
2: Hmm. OK,
0: again, I'm I'm totally up for interpretation and abstraction when it comes to this kind of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: then... I mean, there's
1: clearly a relationship to discover between the below and the above. Um, mm-hmm. The triangle, like there's below, above, and then there's the future or where the red
0: star is. I agree. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good place to start, I suppose, huh?
2: I hadn't written this down as a tenet, but had thought about like these ascetics were living under the island because they were like um, something about feeling like they were unworthy of seeing the the star or like Mm. being under its light. And that's like their cultish religion Mm -hmm. where they, they live in the shadows because they feel like they're undeserving of its prophecy or it's light or it's song maybe.
0: Yeah. I thought that was also pointed as well because it's not like they live beneath the islands. It's very specifically in the shadow of the islands, which is a very cool detail.
1: I mean, we could maybe part of this would be giving these figures you've created some names that fit into the setting more so like instead of crimson king maybe it could be like the king in shadow that we know where they're located right and then instead of the black queen she seems to be exposed to light because she's above so she could be something like the crimson queen since the red sun's <laughs> light would cast on her right
0: uh, i fully reject that naming convention but i'm cool with like playing around with the names, but I'm not, I'm not going to seed on the crimson queen part. I, I, I reject that entirely. I'm sorry. Is there a reason why? Yes. Can you explain what it is? Uh, because it's not in the song, Daniel. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a logic driven process. I assure you. So we, we can talk about that. Maybe that actually implies some kind of history. You're right, because... That's what I'm trying to get
1: at. Like, yeah, in no. to embed, Like, so, you know, we have a veneer of prog rock. That's the intent, but we want to be inspired by it, right? So I'm trying to think of ways to reconfigure the ideas to fit into the setting. So sure. like, I don't care what the queen is called, but something that suggests her position, right? So she's above, right. she's bathed in well, light. You know, she's not shadowed. The sky
0: queen or something. Right, or something like that. Yeah. Well, what we can consider as well is that perhaps where we are in history that this is a subversion of the norm, right? Because I think you're right, Daniel. I think that the implication with the names would suggest that the Crimson King should be up in the sunlight, right? Like that is typically what we would associate with the the color we would associate with light with the sun is something like a red or yellow, right? So maybe the naming convention here suggests that there was a recent rebellion or a recent like toppling of established norms or something like that. Because we also, I, I, I just realized this, that we have a king and a queen, but we don't really know if they're of two separate royalties or are they like separated or like, is this just the result of a very bloody divorce or something like that? Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a lot that we can consider with that.
1: It would be interesting if perhaps the queen comes from the future and she's a prophet who has rejected um their ways maybe.
0: Oh, you mean they're from the the uh the sun or the star mm-hmm. I suppose. That's fun. That's a fun place that we can start with for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe this makes sense that the the crimson king is a deposed king, you know, someone who is literally thrown from their high throne down to the depths below survived. And now they're like planning to try and reclaim their kingdom in some way or, or they're just like drinking themselves into a stupor. I I, I'm just tossing it out there.
2: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I was thinking to like, to steal something from your campaign, Daniel, the God beyond the portal one where you have the, uh, couple that's been separated, uh, their leaders who were married or were together had a child together and are now split apart and oh. could also apply here
0: hmm.
1: so then maybe if, if that were the case and they were united front we could say maybe that the king's island has been broken and that's why he's descended. Mm.
2: oh like it at some point was one island and was fractured
1: apart mm. maybe its oh. chain is also broken
2: oh.
0: Oh, and that would imply something incredibly powerful. Like, especially if historically that's the first and only time a chain has broken. Like that is, that is a massively important event that would happen. And that's a really cool thing that we can consider.
2: Yeah. And like, I also don't want to lose sight of Daniel, what you said about the queen, perhaps being from the future or mm. being from the the star in some way, or having been touched by the star. I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, But, like, that could also tie into what I was saying about, like, the king's people, the king's court, feeling like they're unworthy of the star, Mm -hmm. its prophecy or its light.
1: We could, to, to do what you're saying there, we could say that the king, you know, being now cloaked in shadow, like, is, like what I was saying, either sad or forlorn, because then his people would also be, right? Yeah. And perhaps that has to do with the loss of the lover, like the queen.
2: yeah. Like he's basically like in mourning for his relationship. And that's why he's just hiding in shadow for this long.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think part of this is not squaring the circle, but the triangle we have here is, it is why I'm trying to connect the queen to the sun because yeah. you can see the sun at night, it would seem. Um, and I don't know what the other f- cycle is like in this world in terms of it's day night, but mm-hmm. she's above, mm-hmm. you know, the world is going to be cloaked in red whenever it's night.
0: Are we considering maybe that the islands that we're inhabiting currently are also the other stars star, if that makes sense? Like where the queen is from, maybe they're the ones who are like, I'm going to reach the prophetic star only to recognize Uh, another island.
2: Oh, I see.
0: So it's like the, the distance creates
2: some sort of glow around the bodies of islands or something.
0: Something like that, yeah. Or, yeah. or there's there's a property of the mineral or the chains, perhaps, uh, that also give them a glow. So mm-hmm. I'm imagining that if this is purposeful, right, like the positioning of the chains of the islands, then maybe it is an energy transfer of some way. Like if you're looking at it, like they don't have the opportunity to, right, like because they have they're they're stuck on these tiny little rocks. They're still in basically the Bronze Age, right. But from them, they see the star and it glows from them to them. And then there's a third one that is beyond the horizon that they cannot see. And it basically encircles the world in some kind of a chain or something like that, mm-hmm. which which I think actually, Courtney, your, your tenet about the islands rising every mm-hmm. so often implies that eventually we will get a fully connected landmass that wraps around in some way, or at least fully connects the worlds together.
2: Yeah. I was thinking like maybe there's some sort of pattern to how they rise or yeah. it's going to create something greater once it's all in place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. that That's kind of an interesting conceit to work with. Did you say how long you were expecting in between or, or even how big these new islands would be?
2: No, I didn't specify just regular intervals and, I was tossing out, like, maybe it's a decade, maybe it's 50 years, maybe a century. Uh,
0: Oh, so there's a long time period is what you're suggesting.
2: Yeah, like a decently long amount of time. Okay.
1: The only resistance I have to the islands glowing is that it diminishes the narrative value of the red one, because now it's just Mm -hmm. one among many. And I think there's a certain mystery to it, especially since it's introduced individually in the prompt as a tenant. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that's a, that's a valid point. Yeah. So there is, there's a special significance to the star, even though I think we can still keep the thing about it kind of like connecting eventually. Right.
1: I do like that. Like, I like the mm-hmm. idea that perhaps these are all connected in some way. Cause obviously they have chains mm-hmm. coming out of them. They were intentionally set up that way. Right. So yeah, right.
0: I'm also curious about the release. Like if that's intentional or how it's intentional, if, if it is.
2: Yeah. Like, If whatever created those chains is still beneath the earth and is doing this Mm -hmm. purposefully or if it's some like ancient thing that um it had been holding the earth together but now that's wearing off over time
1: i think the chain the chain thing seems to me inadvertent like that i think to be the work of the people who live here like whether it's accidental or or by whatever means i think i don't know how they would have done it considering (laughs) this very powerful metal but Yeah, I feel like people are responsible for this because that seems to be part of the reason why there's a rift between the two characters who created.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Okay, maybe what we can do is we can go through and give a little recap of our tenets so we can figure out where to go next. How's that sound? Mm -hmm. All right, so I started us off this time, very weird, but effectively, I've created two factions, three factions. We've got the Black Queen with her Fire Witches. We've got the Crimson King and his lover, the Purple Piper, and then the mysterious figure known as the Jester in yellow. That was my first tenet. Um, I think that the interplay between the Crimson King and the Black Queen is interesting. I also think that tying the Fire Witches and the Queen to prophecy the future and the star in the horizon is a really cool conceit. And I'm happy with what we've got thus far.
2: Yeah, I still think there's room for more abstraction or or something. Oh, for sure. As we yeah. Move on.
0: Like, for example, right? Like, I'm cool with either of those named things not even being human or humanoid. Like, if you wanted the Black Queen to be, like, a religious figure or, like, a cloud of black ash that is somehow sentient or something like that, like, I'm also cool with that, you know, like, just tossing out random ideas in terms of abstraction and whatnot you know but maybe we can get through that like once we do a little bit more recapping uh so courtney i think you were first up after me what was yours what did you have us do
2: uh that was that at regular intervals a new floating Mm. island will rise up from the seas and that causes like waves uh beneath which creates a, a dangerous surface on the ocean
0: gotcha Gotcha. How do you feel? Do you feel like we've integrated that well, or do you feel like there's something we're missing?
2: I think that definitely the the rising up of the new island has been integrated, but we haven't really discussed the danger much yet.
0: Mm. I suppose that's true, right? Like we haven't really talked about the effect of what a new island does.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And like how it would disrupt if the Crimson King is below with his people, mm-hmm. his court like how it disrupts their their life when that happens.
0: Hmm. I'm just trying to think, what can we do with that, you know? Because it happens so, so infrequently, right? We're talking about once a decade at minimum, right? Mm-hmm. So it could be even longer. So are you suggesting that each of these is like a cataclysmic event in some way or something massively huge happens? I wouldn't say like apocalyptic to that uh, extent really, but mm-hmm. it's definitely
2: like, Pretty big and would be a big disruption to people down on the surface of the ocean.
0: Mm. Maybe what we can consider is what do the new islands introduce to the ecosystem? Like, is it new creatures, new living things are new sentient life forms being discovered on these islands? Is it new minerals? Like what, what does this bring that is disruptive? Because the rising itself might not necessarily be dis did you say destructive specifically or is it disruptive?
2: Um dangerous.
0: Dangerous. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe we can take that and mean like it's like culturally dangerous in some way. Uh or I don't know. There there's there's a bunch of different types of danger that we can kind of mess with here, you know?
2: Oh yeah, I specified like due to the waves on the
0: on the surface of the ocean. Oh, it's the waves specifically? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. Never mind. Or like
2: waves and related disruptions there. Yeah.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if that's the case, then it's definitely like the aesthetics who are sitting, you know, underneath the waves, underneath the shadows and stuff like that. I mean, when this thing rises, it's going to suck in everything around it. Right. Kind of like mm-hmm. how, you know, you're playing in the pool, you're playing in the, in the tub or something like that. When you put something down, it sucks everything around it. I imagine the same thing is going to happen. It's going to suck everything in and then immediately dump everything out. So it could just be like tidal waves, for example. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. That's a
0: simple one that you can kind of mess with. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, man, we didn't even get to the part where people could be living on the chains. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that could be a thing as well. There's so much to the setting already. Damn, okay, okay. I mean, I think something
1: that the setting lacks is a genre, really, and uh, um, Mm -hmm. an overall genre intent. Like right now, we've got Mm -hmm. kind of arbitrary things spattered every place Mm -hmm. and a veneer paint of some prog rock names. But what Mm -hmm. I think we need is an understanding of what genre is this stuff being created inside of. Like, right now, I don't know if it's fantasy. I don't know if it's some form of far future sci-fi that's evolved into fantasy. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to decide what that is.
0: Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's funny you should mention that, because I definitely think that this has, like, your Hunter from the Future vibes. Or, um, you know, Daniel, you love to bring up um, The Shadow of the Torturer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that series called again? It's not Dying Earth, but... The Book of the Lost Son book of the long sun thank you daniel yeah cuz we can we can definitely do something like that where it is be, because you've introduced the alien tech part of it right mm-hmm. and so there's it, to me it certainly seems like there has been a big reset button that's been pressed
1: right so, so if we decide on something like that then you can have the literal the, the actual intent that's in the story so like if you think of like that particular story you know on the one hand we know um outside of the perspective of the characters of the story that this is actually a laser gun, but the characters Mm -hmm. know that it think of it as some fire lance or something. We can make those decisions in constructing the setting. So then we can ask Mm -hmm. questions like, well, if these islands come out of the ocean at intervals and they're attached by chains, you know, is the planet some kind of structure? Is it Mm -hmm. some kind of device, you know, like what is actually happening Mm -hmm. here versus what the narrative tells us from the point of view of the characters as they explore it, because they may get a totally different feel something about Mm -hmm. I don't know, religious revelation or whatever with the sun and all of that which you could emphasize in the story and have people feel that but to know mm-hmm. how things function you have to decide like okay it actually is science fiction underlying this.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean I'm I'm fine with what we've got thus far in terms of like genre in terms of like dying earth or or a reset apocalypse type situation. I think that there's also stuff that suggests moving in that direction besides the tenets that we've created, like the idea that there are no clouds in the sky or barely a cloud in the sky, which means that there's either very little rain or very little water. Plus, there's the bright green coast as well. Like we haven't even touched on the eerie kind of color of the coast at all and the tenets that are set up or or it could just be we're on an alien landscape, you know, like Maybe this is the remnants of a crashed ship or something like that. There, there's so much that we can do here. So yeah, I'm I'm totally down with like pushing us in a direction for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Like the so if you took, for example, the idea of a crashed ship, you know, perhaps deep under the ocean you have some terraforming device that wraps these chains around parts of the earth to transform them and then kind of mm-hmm. lets them out, right? then you could have the descendants of the people who crashed being the ones who descend from the king or the queen. So now we have some kind of chain of, of record to work with, and then you can cloak that in whatever mystery you want.
0: Mm. A chain mm. of events, perhaps, yeah. Mm. Yeah,
2: I do like the idea of a crashed ship, because that would make sense for like parts of the ship or parts of its terraforming remnants to, like over time, kind of break apart from the main ship mm. and float upwards. Mm. Um, especially if there's some like weird gravity uh, propulsion going on or something. Mm-hmm. And then like the star in the East could be another part of the ship. It could be, it's like nuclear reactor that's sending off all this light still.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that works because now it seems like there is a purpose to the chains in that there's a crew working on freeing the ship from whatever crash site happened to it. Right. And that the result of these islands rising up is, okay. we've got another island that we can remove because because I'm just imagining that this massive ship is like encased in rubble, right? Like massive state sized rubble in some points. And so what they have to do is like hit it with some kind of anti-grav thing. And maybe it's not just that you need to remove the rubble, but it's attempting to pull the thing out of the ocean as well or out of the crash as well.
2: That's interesting because I was interpreting it as like not necessarily a purposeful thing, but I could I could also see that like there is still a crew under the ocean on this thing that's trying mm-hmm. to free it, but it could also be like more of a just organic process over time of the ship breaking apart beneath sure. the sea and like rising up slowly.
0: You yeah. could have
1: both. You could have, mm-hmm. um, you know, this natural degradation happening, perhaps a very thousands of years removed cult of the engineer that doesn't know what they're actually doing anymore because they're just following the sacred mm-hmm. rights of the technical manual that they don't <laughs> understand. And they're trying to, to do know. something on one of these chains and they're following the rights and they broke the mm-hmm. chain in one case. Right. And mm-hmm. so this cult of engineers like is, is actually trying to restore things. They just don't know what they're doing. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think I've got an idea about that we can tie it to the fire which is coming from the star right because i like the idea that the star because daniel you said that oh they're from the future it's not that they're from the future is that they just remember the past right they they remember what they were before the ship crash
1: yeah i meant it metaphorically speaking so like yeah
0: no no i'm i'm supporting you in that for sure right. yeah so but their their memory is imperfect in some way right and again, to go back to this idea that the the Black Queen is not like a figure, not a humanoid. I'm thinking that the Black Queen could be a remnant in the fact that they're like a black cloud of nanobots in some way. And they are like barely connected to a system within the ship, like broken and on the fritz, but still trying to connect those two things together.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that the black queen could be like the ship's AI, like the mother computer kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Something like that. Sure. Mm
1: -hmm. And if you have a king that's in shadow below, it could very well have been, um, the love relationship could be the creator of the AI or its operator. Yeah. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. So, so now I'm thinking, are these figures that we're dealing with here? Are they, are the people of these islands, are they immortal? Mm -hmm. And they've just like become so detached that they've forgotten things or they're, I don't know. I think that there's something there to it because there has to be something that explains the lack of intelligence or lack of memory that's going on here for the most part.
1: I think that what's happening here is that the named figureheads are really software or remnants of this ship. And then mm-hmm. the living people who uppopulate this world are descendants of the people on the ship, mm-hmm. like they're actual people.
0: I'm, I'm totally yeah, down with that. Like yeah, that. for sure.
1: I can easily see, you know, a thousand years from now, HTML, like no one will, I mean, we will understand some of these languages. Like some of the actual right. programming languages, right. like will be ancient. Even now, there's only a handful of engineers who understand COBOL, which most of our like mm-hmm. government systems run on. So mm-hmm. I could see in a distant future, an ancient machine that was sent to terraform the world or whatever it does. Like I could see a technical manual being seen as this divine text. You know?
2: Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then like the songs or the prophecies that come from the night star thing could be like mm-hmm. um recordings. Oh
1: transmissions, yeah. Yeah,
2: recordings and transmissions that are coming through mm-hmm. still and are carried mm-hmm. on the wind.
1: Mm-hmm. And this doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you have to lose the bronze age requirement of the prompt right. either, because you can present the setting in that way and you can have this is an RPG, you can yeah. have barbarian characters who have and they have a sorcerer, but the underlying explanation is this, distant science fiction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. well, yeah. No, that works for me. Uh, I, again, I also like the idea that now we've abstracted the figureheads to the point where we can truly like warp their physiology to the point where it's like, Oh, we can go hog wild and make them gross and otherworldly and, you know, truly feel divine or truly feel like Royal in a way that, you know, you think about like, a peasant in the middle ages, seeing the King, it's like, wow, that's a God figure right there. You know, I, I like the sense of awe that royalty can evoke in that sense. Mm-hmm. Well, Daniel, we're, we're still in the recap. Yeah. Holy shit, we're, 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 We've are got so much going on here. Daniel, what was your first tenant? Can you remind us?
1: I mean, I think both of mine are explained by this conversation. So on the one hand, the star is not natural. It's physically reachable. Um, that we've explained, and Mm -hmm. the islands are buoyed by the chains, which now we understand why.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So Mm -hmm. that brings us back to my second tenet, which is uh, the concept of the wind and people beseech the wind in various ways. Uh, I feel like we can certainly integrate that better. And I think that in order to do so, we should consider that the wind are manifestations of the various AI figures or various um, parts of the ship that we've created, the, the named figureheads, right? And, I, and I'm okay kind of pointing to that as the explanation for what the wind is. What do you think?
2: Yeah, like the wind could even be the radio waves that are transmitting these things. Like, can, yes. can abstract that a lot too.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's an interesting kind of way to do it.
1: Yeah, and there's you know it could be a mixture of things. It could be that understood as that, but also understood as simply the actual wind patterns in the world. Yeah, like you yeah. know, like the, the society still deals with regular um, yeah. aspects, but yeah. there is also the truth that there are transmissions in the wind. Mm-hmm. So
0: okay, okay, okay. I, I, again, if we're doing far future stuff, one of my one of my favorite parts about the new Monera setting is that they had this thing called the red or the the rust wind. I think it was called. And it was this concept of a massive storm of nanobots that would rust anything that it kind of came in contact with. And it was incredibly dangerous, but I'm not suggesting that we do something dangerous like that. But I do think the idea that the wind, like messages get carried in the wind are actually like nanobots that are kind of like floating by creating this kind of like shimmer or Aurora Borealis type of effect. That could also explain the wind both as like this mystical thing and as Courtney's second tenet, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think it all works really well together. Yeah. And yeah, my second tenet was um, that the star that carries the ominous prophecies does so through song, either literally singing or mm-hmm. inspiring people to sing. And yeah, I think that totally works. Like the singing is these transmissions and mm-hmm. maybe the the fire witches are still connected to it in some way such that they pick up on those signals and can translate them.
0: Yeah. 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 That's cool. Mm -hmm. Do do they amplify the messages or something in some way, like they interpret the messages and then they just sing them in chorus and choir together.
2: Yeah. Like it could be, maybe they're receiving incomplete transmissions that they then fill in or they, they each, Get parts of the transmission and have to come together to sing the full thing,
0: mm. oh, that's interesting too, yeah, that would that would give each one kind of this importance together, yeah, mm-hmm. cool, okay, well, as per usual, the recap of the tenets has really helped kind of crystallize what the setting looks like overall. Um I guess we roll for the twist now, right, yeah. Um, let's see how it goes so our twist this time is aliens did it well okay how do we square this exactly Um, and who who are the aliens and what did they do
2: I mean I feel like probably the easy explanation is that the people who crash landed on this planet are the aliens that Mm -hmm. they're crashing in Introduce all of this stuff to the planet and
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's why all of this is occurring in the first place
1: if you wanted to invert that um we can do a scavenger's reign kind of approach mm-hmm. and say that the people who crash landed are just like you know normal as humans but the interplay between um this planet's life and their technology has created this alien effect of everything that we're encountering. yeah
2: so like it's only happening this way because of the the nature of the planet itself.
1: Mm-hmm. And you could then say the wind isn't um necessarily a a phenomena that has to do with transmissions, but it's part of I don't know, communication with the world itself or the world yeah. incorp maybe the world incorporating this crashed object into itself. You know? Yeah. Yeah, oh. I like that
0: a lot. Yeah. So the world itself is is kind of infusing the technology with a semi level of consciousness that is yeah. of the world itself. That's really mm-hmm. cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. So these manifestations of the named characters that we have, the kind of like black queen, the crimson King, et cetera, they're actually manifestations of the consciousness of the world itself. Is that right? Is that what we're going with?
1: Well, they've been altered. the so- maybe they're software, but they've been altered by the planet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I mean. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. OK, that that's really cool because that feels really alien, especially because mm-hmm. like over time, right, these are immortal figureheads that are there. And, you know, one generation of humans isn't going to notice that the changes in the Crimson King or the changes in the Black Queen. But over time, you see this slow change in their uh, physiognomy or, or psychology to the point where it's like, oh, no, this is the planet speaking through the Black Queen. Queen now, stuff like that. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, 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 cool.
2: Yeah, and then I feel like with that length of time, it totally makes sense that the history has been lost or changed mm-hmm. in a way and isn't quite remembered, especially as like the people were originally adapting to the planet and trying to figure out how to survive and were f- so focused on that that they kind of lost the records of what was actually happening
0: lost or purposefully obfuscated by the leaders right like this planet is suddenly like oh i like being revered as these figureheads so let's get rid of the history so they can continue to be stuck and revere me in Mm. some way
1: interesting i mean i could see that going either way depending on what you wanted to do with the plot yeah Mm -hmm.
0: gotcha so we we leave it kind of ambiguous is that what you're saying? It could be like a, a GM's decision, you know, if it was a game, ah, how, how much okay. intricacy do they want to add to it, right? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, I feel like we don't really need to make a faction for this particular setting, but I do feel like we do need a main storyline quest. So what are we looking at here in terms of a main storyline? What do we got for ideas? <clears>
2: hmm. <throat> Like, I suppose the kind of grand overarching plot would be like traveling to the the star, making your way over there. But we could also have something a lot smaller and more intimate. That's just like following a, a group, mm-hmm. maybe colonizing an island that's just
0: appeared. Oh, yeah. See, that's that's certainly more the type of story I'm interested in. This idea that there's a new continent that just or has just arisen. And maybe it kind of changes the game in some way that we haven't previously established.
1: Yeah, and I think thematically, we'd probably want to cloak that in something like Bronze Age feeling. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of like the closest thing to a Bronze Age story. I can think of like Conan, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of that has to do with these unconquered vistas. So having a newly arisen island is a good setting for that, I think absolutely
0: mm. plus there's also you know if we if we want to think about stories from antiquity we can consider atlantis or troy uh you know like right. there's a number of things that we can pull from that might be interesting there
2: yeah like could be focused around a group that's been sent over to explore and map out uh mm. this new realm make sure it's safe for more people to venture over on like these kite things
0: sure Kind of like a Jason and the Argonauts type situation as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That
0: good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So if we're doing that, I would like there to be Ray Harryhausen skeletons that they have to fight. So. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. I mean, come on, you got to pay, you got to pay homage to the master, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, what, what kind of story from antiquity do we want to pull from? Because I think that that's probably the easiest thing that we can do in order to root this in a, in a quest line is we can point at one of the myths, you know, like Jason and the Argonauts mm-hmm. and then add our own fun little twist to it.
2: I do think that one works like thinking about maybe um, each Island that comes up has a certain like technology or relic on it somewhere mm-hmm. that's like from part of the ship. And mm-hmm. it's basically like a people venturing forth to, get it so that they can bring it to their black queen and like bestow it upon her as a gift.
0: Mm. But oh.
2: it's like basically her like soaking up more information from the ship or something.
0: Oh shit. Wait, I, I mean that, that can really be
2: cool.
1: a plot of the red the red witch people that they're intentionally having these
0: heroes collect this stuff
1: to mm-hmm. restore parts of the ship.
0: Yeah. 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 No, that's really cool. Like I, I love the idea that the black queen is somehow incomplete. And by feeding her more of this material, you're making her more complete, more powerful, Mm -hmm. and perhaps more connected with the rest of the ship. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. And you can frame it like a Jason in the Argonaut situation, where it's like, oh, we've got to go recruit Hercules, right? And it's just like Mm -hmm. a hero on an island somewhere, or you know, you got to go, you got to go gather the next person who's from the ships below or from the chains yeah. themselves, you know, because exactly. everyone's, everyone's a hero in these stories. So I think that's really cool. Holy shit. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. I'm down. I'm down. I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm, I'm absolutely here for it. All right. Cool. <laughs> well there, we. you know, like, and then alternatively, of course you could be like, well, I want to play the Hercules character. Like, okay, there you go. You're Hercules now. There we, you know, Oh, Oh wait, hold on to bring back the Ray Harryhausen stuff because we're now dealing with a future or like a weird, like partial future. We can have Bubo, Bubo, the clockwork owl. We can have him now. He's in the story. <laughs> 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 Clearly you guys have no love for Ray Harryhausen. Come on. He's great. Um, But like,
2: yeah, like a session zero could almost be like a, a romp through these areas. Like, describing how each character joins the party or something. Oh, that's
0: yeah. That's really fun. And then you get to add to your legend as you, you know, like as you're rolling the character, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, that sounds like a really fun way that you can integrate um, like character design or character creation, you mm-hmm. know, cause there's um, in like Mongoose traveler, for example, right. The character creation, the way that that works is that you can literally die in character creation, By rolling stuff and it's like, oh, I rolled poorly and I guess I died before the story even happened. Right. (laughs) And I feel like that's a really fun thing. It's like, all right, no, roll for the seven feats that you did before this particular mission. And, you know, maybe that's how you determine your stats or like what you're good at in some way. Like I outwitted, you know, like the Minotaur in the Labyrinth type situation, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Heroic feats as a way to create a character sounds really cool. And I kind of want to do that. I want to integrate that somehow, some way.
2: Yeah, I think it would be a really fun way to start a game like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm happy. Daniel, any any closing thoughts, anything else before we continue on? I know, I'm always a fan of Greek mythology of some kind. So I think that's nice. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, if that is the case, then that's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. A big thank you to Iris for submitting this prompt and a big reminder to all of you, but if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow some instructions in. Within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on YouTube, where you can click subscribe and listen to us in a different way. And help us out, really, with the machine gods and all that. You can also follow us on Twitter at Let's World Build. You can come talk to us more directly by joining our Discord with a link for that in the description. Or if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always go to our Patreon and give us money and get extra sweet, sweet patron-only goodies in return. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We love you very much. And we're going to get through this together until next week.